0: I'm Richard Anderson. You are listening to TV Confidential. Don't you think we better get another kind of warrant? For the arrest of David Farr on suspicion of murder. And even as David Farr's story unfolds, others begin. Atop glittering Knob Hill, in the shadows of Coit Tower, on the waterfront of an international port, among the small craft moored in Fisherman's Wharf. Gripping stories of human compassion and conflict exploding in a city of many faces. Car 302, Lieutenant Stone.
1: Car 302, come in, please. Lieutenant Stone, got that warrant? Affirmative. Units closing in on the subject. They're awaiting your arrival.
0: 10-4, we're on our way. Mike Stone and Steve Keller. Ready to roll. Don Powell. Sutter. Polk. Geary. Market. Lombard. Leavenworth. Mission. California. The streets of San Francisco.
1: At Robertson and author, guest Jim. Rosen, Jim, is the author of many books on classic television shows such as Naked City, The Invaders, Peyton Place, Adventures in Paradise, Quincy, and Route 66. Jim's latest book, The Streets of San Francisco, a Quinn Martin TV series, is a comprehensive Oral History of the Streets of San Francisco, featuring commentary from series star Michael Douglas, producers John Wilder and Cliff Gould, directors Walter Grauman, and other key series personnel. You can order The Streets of San Francisco, a Quinn Martin TV series, as well as many of Jim's other books, by going to ClassicTVSeriesBooks.com, ClassicTVSeriesBooks. And as I say, the first two seasons of Streets of San Francisco are available on DVD. And Jim's book is an ex-companion guide to the Streets of San Francisco on DVD. In our previous segment, Jim, we were talking about um, some of the extra features that you have in, uh, in your Streets of San Francisco book, one of which is something I don't remember you doing in any of your other books. You have sample, uh, sample outlines of some of the episodes of Streets of San Francisco, including one of the most famous and one of the more controversial shows, uh, Mask of Death with John Davidson.
0: Yes, that was interesting. Um, that show, uh, uh, the network came to John Wilder uh, when they presented that story idea and said, you can't do this. It's too sensational. And, um, you know, it involved a, uh, a female impersonator who turned out to be a serial killer. And uh, John had to remind the network that they didn't have story approval. And Quinn Martin's contract to do Streets of San, Streets of San Francisco, which, interestri- interestingly enough, was the result of a lawsuit, he was guaranteed, you know, initially 26 hours plus an introductory two-hour movie. And the contract was that he had control and story approval. So the network couldn't do anything about it. And then they, then they turned from saying, you can't do this, to please don't do this. And John, Yeah, and John said, look, uh, we, have we ever done anything that's, that's not tasteful? And they said, no. Have we ever uh, offended you or, or our audience? No. Do you think we're a quality organization? Yes. Well, then trust us that we'll do this in a very careful way and in a tasteful way. Well... Ironically, that show was publicized and critically acclaimed, got a lot of notoriety in TV Guide, and the net- network representative that was so against doing it became a big fan of that episode.
1: Well, it, go- it, go- it goes back to what we are talking about in one of our previous uh, segments, Jim, which is that in-, in television especially, you have a contract with the audience to produce the best show you can, Uh, week after week, given the confines of time, you know, budget, and other factors that are, you know, sometimes beyond your control. And in the case of Quinn Martin, and in the case of Streets of San Francisco in particular, that contract was to create, you know, multi-dimensional characters from both sides of, of the particular story. And, you know, not to necessarily make the villain sympathetic, but at least to the extent you can, give a window into that, in that person's mind so that as the viewer you understand the circumstances uh, that may have, you know, um, led them to do- commit these, these heinous acts. And so, I mean, they weren't stick figures. They were three-dimensional characters, and that uh, was one of the main reasons for the quality of the show and what attracted people such as Carl Malden to begin with.
0: Exactly. You know, uh, Ed, in this particular episode, Mask of Death, There's a very eerie scene, and and John Davidson uh, received uh, critical acclaim for his performance, where he uh, is in makeup, um, or maybe he's not in makeup. I can't recall exactly, but he's sitting in his makeup room, in his dressing room, getting ready maybe to to, uh, make himself up in uh, one of the likenesses he does, and uh, they cross-cut between him speaking into the mirror as, as himself, and then as the character that's taken possession of him, right? And it was very, very well done. And uh, very eerie. They brought in, uh, I think, uh, the female female impersonator, I forget his name, is it uh, Jim Bailey?
1: And then Jim Bailey? Yeah.
0: yeah, they brought him in to work with uh, John Davidson. And uh, it was, uh, it was a very interesting uh, episode. But I thought Davidson uh, acquitted himself quite well. He really did.
1: He did, and of course, you know, Davidson he had a, he had a very high TVQ back then. You know, not only because of his appearances on uh, Hollywood Squares, both on the nighttime and the daytime version, but he, he he did a lot of variety shows. And you know, he he was the type of uh, marquee guest star that Quinn Martin and Quinn Martin Productions were, were always aiming to get. We're talking to Jim Rosen. Jim's latest book is The Streets of San Francisco, a Quinn Martin TV series. Everything you want to know about the a classic ABC police drama starring Carl Malden and Michael Douglas and produced by Quinn Martin. You can find the Streets of San Francisco at Quinn Martin TV series by going to classic TV series Classic TV series uh, One of the fun things um, that I learned that I didn't know, Jim, about uh, Streets of that I found out through your book, is how the TV series compared to the novel Poor, Poor. Ophelia, on which it was based. There are there a couple of significant differences, weren't there? Yeah. Um,
0: the original novel, which was published in 1972, it, it was a, you know, in one sense, it was a relatively straightforward police procedural, but it was set in Santa Monica, and the characters were somewhat different. There was a young detective named uh, Casey Kellogg. He was a college-educated investigator for the Santa Monica Police Department. And uh, very, very bright, but he was somewhat disliked by his working class colleagues. And he lived at home and drove uh, drove an old Mustang. And his partner was a veteran uh, police detective, uh, similar to uh, Carl Malden, but he was different in the fact that uh, his partner, I think the character's name was Al Krug, he was kind of a crotchety, uh, old school, cranky, Straightforward, mostly uh, mostly honest cop, but given to somewhat stereotyping the perps, you know. And uh, he was married and complained about married life, and he drove this old camper truck. and And from then on, uh, the the novel is pretty much close to the. Uh, introductory two hour TV movie. It's very close in terms of the plot storyline and the two characters and the characters involved, particularly the girl and the lawyer. Um, but you can see where the characters were modified by Ed Hume when he wrote the teleplay uh, he you know he uh he did change uh, certain things about Michael's character and then about Carl's character. And uh, of course, they they moved it from Santa Monica to San Francisco.
1: Well, the streets of Santa Monica would have been a much much different show than the streets of San Francisco.
0: <laughs> yeah, I also felt that the the characters, the way they were refined for uh, the television project, were more were well, I don't want to say more appealing, but for, at that time period, maybe in the early seventies, they probably were more appealing. You know,
1: how did it come to be uh, filmed in San Francisco?
0: Well. Quinn Martin wanted to do a series outside of L.A. Uh, that was, that was, I think, the, the, uh, the mindset before, uh, they had talked to Ed Hume about, uh, doing it. Ed Hume, I believe, had done the pilots for, uh, Barnaby Jones and Cannon. So he was the, you know, in their mind, the right person to, uh, to develop it as a series for television. So, uh, when they put him to, Together with the project, I think it was it was confirmed that uh, he would be writing a series that took place in the city by the bay. I think that stemmed from from Quinn Martin's vision, and uh, I think the more they thought about it, they said, "Boy, what a what a wonderful town to shoot in." Michael had told me that at first, when they came there, uh, the town was not receptive to a Hollywood company coming in to uh, to shoot a series there, but as it went on. And became successful. They were, uh, you know, open armed about it. Uh, it brought them a lot of positive publicity. It, a, it brought you know, the police force a lot of uh, uh, added enrollment and positive publicity. Yeah, it was, so like, it, a, it was it, like it was like a, a win win situation, you know, for both for both the sides of the fence.
1: Yeah, it was like a sixty. It was like a sixty minute infomercial for the Chamber of Commerce. I mean, because it was, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, and no, and of course now. For people such as myself, uh, the listeners know this. I believe you know this uh, as well, Jim. I grew up in San Francisco, and uh, mm-hmm. so one of the extra added dimensions was not only seeing, you know, the panoramic shots of, you know, the Golden Gate Bridge, and Telegraph Hill, and you know Fort Point and the Marina and stuff like that, all of which were, you know, brilliantly used week after week as you know. I mean, you say in the book the the third co-star was the city of San Francisco itself. But the uh-huh. fun thing uh-huh. was just you know uh, watching episodes where you know certain neighborhoods that you recognize being a be you know grow, growing up in the city. And you know I I remember uh, there are a couple episodes where they did location filming on Clement Street, where were not too far from where I grew up in, uh-huh. in San Francisco. So that was always fun. And then uh, one of one of my favorite episodes, and you list it in the book as one of your favorite episodes, was the show, I forget which year it was, but it was called Asylum, which was filmed at St. Anne's Home, uh, run by the Little Sisters of the Poor, which was, on a personal note, I mean, that was, you know, my family did a lot of, you know, volunteer work. And some of my sisters still do volunteer work at the Little Sisters of the Poor. Uh, and and so that's, that's a very, you know, it was it was fun to see that show um, on on screen because some of the locations where they did the group therapy sessions with Michael and James Olson, we worked in that we we worked in that very same rec room every Saturday so it was just fun watching that
0: oh really yeah wow yeah that was a good show and I I thought that uh, Belinda Montgomery who I remember when I was working at Universal and Quincy she was I think a contract player there this is in the late 70s Uh, she did a very good job in that uh Episode as uh, someone that was uh, mentally challenged, uh, emotionally challenged. Uh, uh, very, 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 very good job. Yeah,
1: Jim. It's interesting. Uh, we're talking about some of the, some of your favorite shows, some of my favorite shows. What are your favorites? Was um, a Superstar with Paul Sorvino, which is uh, which served as the backdoor pilot for Bert. Dangelo Superstar. One of the fun things, and, and you know, this is something only people like you and I would know, but Superstar was a um, was a pilot for Bert Dangelo. But it actually aired. Uh, the, the series actually premiered like a month before the the pilot actually aired. So that was kind of strange. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, I like that show I, because Paul Paul uh, brought a certain energy to it. He's a terrific guy. I, I, I knew him in, when I lived in New York, when I was an actor in New York, and, uh, I always, I always liked him. He was always, uh, uh a very no-nonsense guy, and, uh, uh, very down to earth, uh, you know, very good father, loved his two children, you know, his daughter became an Academy Award-winning actress, mm-hmm. the, uh, and, uh, um, he he just brought a breath of fresh air to that episode you know? and there was an interesting dynamic going on between he and carl malton you know there was a great moment where he challenged him in the office you know and you didn't know what carl malton was going to do right and, right because he, he was called out of the office and he said to him turned to him and he said to to bert d'angelo just make sure you're on the next plane out of here you know that's right <laughs> he, that's he was in total violation of everything that the two detectives stood for you know but it it was it was a fun episode but you know what the ending it didn't work for me where he all of a sudden he decides you know after poo-pooing San Francisco in comparison to New York he'll I'm going to stay here after all it, it you know and the and the series just didn't translate but his character and and uh uh his acting ability in a different uh, even in that role in a different situation i think would have been uh would, would have would have been a hit TV series because he was that I think he was that good and that much of a character he could have carried it.
1: Well, he, in, in subsequent things he did, Goodfellas being one example, and then later on uh, when he he had a nice run on uh, Law and Order. It's just you know it's it's a it's a matching. I mean you know this especially in television is a melding of actor and material actor, and character, and while Burt D'Angelo may not have been a good fit, the pilot episode notwithstanding, and I remember that because, you know, it was one of the few times that uh, Mike Stone was unruffled.
0: Yeah, that's right, that's right, yeah, he really, Paul was intense, and and I thought he was wonderful in the part, And uh, but just the premise of him abandoning New York, I think it would have been a good series of his character in New York instead of San Francisco, you know, but... You know, they weren't going to do uh, a, a detective series in in, uh, in New York, but uh, I thought it would have been the more appropriate venue for him. You know, but yes, that's a good point you make. He did, he did, he did uh, come into conflict with uh, Mike Stone in a way that uh, you never really saw on the show.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I believe what Lion Stone has in that show is this is my town. I mean, if, he, if he didn't say it in so many words, I mean, it's like it was, and that, and that, and that's, and I guess that's the final. As as we wrap up our conversation about you know Carl Malden's streets in San Francisco, um, you know it, he, you know he he did the show for five years, and then from that he stemmed. Uh, he he did the American Express com- uh, uh, commercials for many many years, and it got uh-huh. to the point. Um, and when and I remember this because I was still living in San Francisco when Carl Malden died in 2009 when when the news of his passing broke i mean it wasn't just another actor he was he 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 became very much an icon of san francisco
0: oh yeah he was he was a he was an icon and you know something i noticed about him and and observing about him when i watched the shows he was a great listener which is very important in acting you know Cleveland used to say to me when we whenever we did a scene together he'd say he'd say he he would say the other person that you're, you're dealing with is the most important person in the scene and I remember Kurt Conway, my first acting teacher, uh, at the Beverly Hills Playhouse, would say, 95% of acting is listening. Mm-hmm. And in watching Carl Mulma, I always got that sense that he was a great listener and a great collaborator. And I think that's one of the reasons why people like Marlon Brando uh, sought him out to work with, you know? I think that's an indication of it.
1: Well... He was a great listener, and you're a great listener, and that will make you a great. Well, guest. bless your heart. Thank you for having me, and
0: uh, uh, I, you know, I appreciate what you've done with your books on uh, the, the Fugitive and, and Rockford Files, and uh, you also did a book on Star Trek. You never mentioned it's a very good book. So uh, it's good to talk to a fellow writer, and uh, we'll keep running that all play till we get it right, huh?
1: The Streets of San Francisco, a Quinn Martin TV series, and all other books by Jim Rosen, including his memoir. People, Places, and Me are available at ClassicTVSeriesBooks.com, ClassicTVSeriesBooks.com. We will replay our August 2012 conversation with Barry Livingston of My Three Sons when we come back for hour number two of TV Confidential. Stay with us. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear